The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees. Some call me the North Dakota Nomad. Others, the Shale Play Prophet. We are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern, Provolone, is manning the production elements of the podcast. A little later in the program, we are going to have Terry Edom give us an update. Terry Edom is the man, the myth, the author, and the blogger, and the writer. And what else is he? He's all kinds of different things. But he's the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. He's a writer for the BOE Report and a blogger for Public Energy Number 1. He's going to be giving us an update in the end of the program. And it looks like, Provolone, you've put together a nice little program today because we're going to be revisiting something that uh, I spoke at last summer. Well, this is the Shale Play Prophet, so I'm, uh, yes, thank you, Provolone. What we're going to do, folks, is uh, Colorado State Senator John Cook, Dan Haley from the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, as well as John Robitali with Petroleum Association of Wyoming and myself. We spoke at a panel last summer at Gillette Wyoming Energy Exposition 2019 entitled What Happened with Colorado's Energy Industry? The panel discussion was moderated by Harriet Hegman, Hegman Law PC. Now, the reason we're putting this in here is that, uh, as I mentioned and joke about the shale play profit, a lot of times on the crude life interviews, we would talk about things months and months, sometimes even years before the industry spoke of it. And so I would get some emails and they would link my interviews and they'd say, hey, you talked about this six months ago. You talked about this X, Y, Z. Well, after NAEP, I got a few interviews with people who linked uh, the the moderation, the recording that we did last uh, summer in Gillette, Wyoming at the Energy Exposition on the panel I spoke on. And that's what I spoke about was the youth movement, how we're out of touch. And we're fresh off the heels of NAEP. We're headlines coming out of Houston. We're about, we need to get back in touch with the youth and and, uh, Generation Z, XYZ, you know, the alphabet kids. Well, that's exactly what I spoke about last summer. And I'll tell you what, folks, I'll be honest. There were some daggers stared at me. Now, there were a lot of people that came up to me afterwards and shook my hand and thanked me for bringing the topic to the table. You got to remember, I was sitting next to high-powered individuals. And there were some very uncomfortable moments during that panel discussion because I was not advertised. I was brought in. I was brought in at the last minute because of my views and because of the my cojones I got where I don't have any problem getting up there and talking about the hard topics. I've lived a crude life, okay? Not only do I live it on a daily basis because of my industry, but I've lived a crude life too. And when you live a crude life, the term coconuts and grapefruits takes on a whole new meaning. There you go for your podcast provolone. Now it's adult hour here on The Crude Life. Okay, before this conversation got a little bit off topic here, but today we're going to do for our interview portion, you know, I don't know if you figured out, folks, but we have a featured interview segment we do. We start off the show, we do a nice introduction, we talk about different things, what's going on in the industry, we talk about events, headlines, we like to set the table, enjoy each other's company a little bit. I respond to some emails. Provolone and I maybe have a meeting, you know, right on the air because sometimes I don't want him to talk back. And I want to, you know, I, I just, I'll do the meeting right here on the air so that way it's done with. Provolone, our entitled intern. By the way, folks, Provolone, he uh, was majoring in entitlement at the university. So his mother and father, who we colloquially call... Mama and Papa OGC, Mama and Papa Oil and Gas Company, because Provolone's parents own a modest oil and gas company, and they really wanted him to learn the value 
of a crude life, man. I mean, let's just be honest, a crude life. Hey, if, if we're going to do this, let's be honest here. So, all right, what do we got else we got going on today? Oh, before I forget provolone, make sure you put a call into Ray Scott out of Grand Junction. He's a uh, uh, in the politics world up there. He's He's uh, been on the program before in the past. He's very articulate, very much in the knowledge when it comes to energy. So uh, do me a favor, put a call into Ray Scott out there in the Grand Junction area into Colorado. And by call, I mean email, I get it, or text. I mean, it's back in my day, we would say call, okay? Put a call into, don't worry, I'm not going to say the word Rolodex because I didn't, I did use one, but that was er, in my early days, I used a Rolodex, not in my mid days. So let's not get totally out of whack here. Okay, so continuing on here, folks, we're going to take a look at what else we have going on. Headlines coming around the corner. Our sponsor, of course, today is Hatch Coaching, and we're sitting in the Hatch Coaching studios, but they are our sponsor of the day, so we're going to talk about them in just a moment or two. I do want to mention our featured event, which is Louisiana Oil and Gas Association show happening March 3rd through the 6th. Now, we've got a lot of shows coming up. I know the Crude Life is going to be a part of a lot of them. Starting in May when the Williston Basin Conference happens, and it's going to run all the way through the summer. So we usually do quite a bit of our live recording sessions during the summer. But one that we are going to miss, but I did want to mention it to you. And thank you for the email, by the way, from the gentleman who sent it in, is that uh, Louisiana is having their Oil and Gas Association show March 6th. Uh, I'm sorry, March 3rd through the 6th. So our links for that are available at the crudelife.com show page. That is the Louisiana Oil and Gas Association show, March 3rd through the 6th. So, folks, that is our featured event today if you want to check that out. I do want to mention our sponsor because we are very fortunate to have sponsors here. If you'd like to sponsor the program, we would appreciate it very much. And today we are so grateful for Hatch Coaching and sponsoring The Crude Life. Now, of course, the reason for sponsors is so that we can keep our lights on, but also so we can educate, inform, and entertain the masses on how those lights stay on. Because it's not just the flick of the switch. No, it's not. It is because of companies like Hatch Coaching who support the crude life. Hatch Coaching was created by Eric Hatch. Eric went from being a youth pastor to owning multiple companies to being one of the top real estate teams in the country, top 40 teams in the country, and Eric Hatch does coaching as well and he also has a book available too that's hatch coaching check out hatchcoaching.com or go to the crude life show page for more links that is hatch coaching and hatchcoaching.com the crude life every monday through thursday with a week in review on friday historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast from the Hatch Coaching Studios. My name is Jason Spees, the shale play prophet, the North Dakota nomad. Thank you very much for joining us. Coming up in just a moment or two, we are going to be having our featured interview. It is, But it's actually what it is. It's a replay of a panel discussion we had last summer about the youth movement and how we were talking about this last summer. We want to show you folks that uh, not only are we ahead of the curve here, but we want to bring it back. And so you can take a listen, what we said back then, and is it applicable to what the industry's talking about right now? Because right now after NAEP, that's what the industry's talking about. How are we going to connect again? Well, the conversation has already been happening. Let's not ignore that just because the leaders are now talking about it. Okay, let's see. What did we say before? Is it applicable to what the leaders are talking about now? Because now they're ready to talk. A year ago, they were not ready to talk about it. In fact, they were resisting it. Well, it's changed. And either you can sit and you can nitpick and you can point fingers and you can hold grudges or you can say, 
Thank God we're getting on the same page. And now that we're getting on the same page, how are we going to solve the problem at hand? And the problem at hand is, well, there's a lot of them, but the one we're talking about is the disconnection with the youth. So Provolone, great job today pulling up that past interview. Well, great job today responding to those emails that sent in the interview. I'm sorry, the uh, Crude Life interview, which was our panel discussion last summer at the Energy Expo in Gillette, Wyoming with Senator John Cook, also Dan Haley, John Robitaille with Petroleum Association of Wyoming, myself, Harriet Hagman with uh, Hagman Law. She was the moderator. And that's coming up in just a moment or two. Right now, we're going to do headlines. So let's take a look at what our headlines are today. Okay. Provolone, what do you got for us? Oh, quickly, for those joining us for the first time, headlines. We just read the headline and then the first couple paragraphs, and that's it, because that's the way everybody takes the news in today. At best, that's what they read. They make their judgments, their assessments in life, and move on. So we're going to play a little bit with that game as well. But we like to editorialize, and also, you know, sometimes we just call an audible and just start talking about other things because that's what we do here, Provolone and myself here at the Crude Life Podcast, because it's esoteric energy. It's all organic. We just throw out the rules and just really, we're organic. That's what it is. It's just go with the flow, baby. That's what we're doing here. It's a podcast. It's healed millions with our esoteric approach to energy. Just wing it, throwing the notes out. Woohoo! It's one hundred percent natural. Okay, wasn't that prevalent? Is that better for you? We have a fun meeting tomorrow. All right, let's take a look at what we've got going on here with our headlines. We have Touchstone. This comes from OffshoreTechnology.com. Touchstone exploration discovers oil and gas deposit onshore Trinidad. Canadian-based Touchstone Exploration has announced the results from the first test on liquids-rich gas deposit in Trinidad and Tobago, or Tobago. Tests on the Cascudra 1ST1 well gave an average flow of 5,180 barrels of oil equivalent per day, BOE-D. Sorry, BOE-D. Okay, that's the first two paragraphs. I'm going to call it blank there. Uh, what I learned from this is they're finding more oil. In fact, I was at a meeting yesterday with the North Dakota Petroleum Council, and that's one of the things that we did talk about was, uh, on one hand, down at NAEP, you know, some of the side conversations were, you know, on a serious level, there's nine, what, 900 years worth of coal that policy has now left in the ground. If you don't think that the environmentalists are going to do that to oil, well, you got another thing coming. So that was one side of it. Uh, the, the other side was that we might just find more deposits of oil, that there might be more and more and more oil being discovered all the time. And I even brought up a topic we don't ever talk about on this show, which is, I believe it's called ambiotic, embiotic oil, where it's basically the, the earth regenerates oil as part of its natural progression. It's not necessarily the decomposition co of organic matter, but it's more of the earth creates it. So it, it's, a, it's a natural reoccurring thing. Now that is some fringe theory stuff, but I am aware of it. I, I, I am aware of it. And the uh, theory of relativity was considered fringe at one time, too, by Albert Einstein. So just because something is a theory, I'm not going to discount it. However, I'm not going to count it either. Because provolone, much like you, sometimes when it comes to science, you're either on something or you're on to something. It's just one of those things. So see how I reversed it there from the other way? That means you're on something. All right, what do we got here now? Let's get back. Oh, so the point is, is that I truly believe we're going to be finding new ways of uh, getting to oil, new ways of developing technology to do it in a cleaner way. And there's going to be new uh, reservoirs find, found all the time. Peak oil comes and goes. It comes and goes. And the other thing I learned is that I need to really be careful when you pick stories provolone because I don't know how to pronounce some words. And some of these acronyms, 
they can trip me up really quick when you put a dash and a dash and a slash and a slash in there. What do we have next here on the headlines? Top Colorado environmental officer admits state zones strategy is flawed. I'm sorry, state's ozone strategy is flawed. I better start that one over. Top Colorado environmental official admits state's ozone strategy is flawed. Ever since assuming office in 2019, Colorado Governor Jared Polis has made shifting the state strategy on ozone pollution a top priority. This includes a successful effort to have the state classified as a serious ozone pollution violator, ignoring the fact that most of the state's ozone is generated outside of its borders, a move one of the governor's top officials now says makes it nearly impossible for Colorado to achieve the Environmental Protection Agency's ozone attachment standard. Okay, now that is a very good paragraph and opening statement. That is going to make me want to read the rest of this. Very good to the point headline. This is from mountainindepth.org. Not familiar with them. They cover the mountain states, but they're Fracking 101, resources, gas land debunked. Okay, well, I'm, I, I can see where they, they uh, come from, but that's, that's good because this is a very, you know, sometimes the organizations is where you find some of the best news because they almost go out of their way to overcorrect not to be biased, especially when it doesn't need to be. And that's the one thing the media needs to learn. Media needs to learn, just don't be biased. If you actually have a news story, it doesn't need to be slanted. I sat in meetings with award-winning newspapers and radio stations where we had the stories written before we went out and covered them. I called it media mad libs. All we did was insert the names, insert some adjectives, but the angle was already done. The angle and the, the whole idea of the story was done before we even walked into the meeting or whatever the interview was. Oh, that's that's been, and that, by the way, that's been around since the dawn of man, too. So, uh, by the way, these links are available at thecrudelife.com on our show page. But getting back to this uh, top Colorado environmental official admits state's ozone strategy is flawed. We, we have the problem in my backyard in North Dakota where... Uh, Meridian Energy Group, and by the way, reach out to them and ask them about what the new normal is when it comes to trying to do a project in today's climate. Because in North Dakota, they've been fighting for three, three and a half years in court, trying to get things resolved, and they keep winning before they can put a shovel in the ground. And it has to do with the ozone. It has to do with the air quality. It has to do with being close to uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park. So it has to do with environmental buzzwords. And ozone is one of them. And if you've got now the state official, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, interview that guy. Your groups involved that are supposed to be uh, taking care of your industry and your state, they should be all over this environmental guy. Provolone. Get all over that environmental guy. Who is he? Find out his name. See who he is. I have no idea who he is. John Putnam. All right, get John Putnam on the crude life, okay? I want to talk to this guy. What's going on here? Because I want to know more than this story. And uh, folks, I think you should read this story because it is an issue. North Dakota has an A-plus air quality, and we are still fighting Legal battles to the T. Just ask Meridian Energy Group and the Davis Refinery what the reality is dealing with air quality. Okay? There. Boy, that just kind of turned into a lecture. Provolone, what do we got for the third headline? That was a little, I was a little too lecturous here. Okay, the psychology. <laughs> All right, this comes... Uh, from, well, it looks like quartz.com. The psychological importance of wasting time. There will always be an endless list of chores to complete and work to do, 
And a culture of relentless productivity tells us to get to it right away and feel terribly guilty about any time wasted. But the truth is, a life spent dutifully responding to emails is a dull one indeed. And wasted time, in fact, highly fulfilling and necessary. All right, provolone, great one to end on. You know, after you got my blood boiling here, I'm sure this is something that you really want me to take in, you know, in terms of what, why you do what you do, why you daydream as much as you do and drift off and etc. But there's a lot of truth behind this. And, um, you know, as we close up headlines before we get into our featured interview, which is a panel discussion last year from the Gillette, Wyoming Energy Expo, which has to do with uh, being disconnected from the youth and the problems with uh, energy in terms of perception and public relations and that sort of thing that's coming up around the bend. But uh, one thing I want to talk about on this this headline here about the psychological importance of wasting time, there is some truth behind that. It's it's it, there's a great way, great idea to shut down. I detox all the time from technology, um, usually during the summer from my social media accounts. Uh, from June to August, I actually take the summer off of anything personal that has to do with social media. I keep the work stuff going, but I keep I shut the personal stuff down. I've been doing that now for five years. And it actually expands into more time that is shut down. I've been going on more walks. I've been doing much more things of just kind of freeing my mind from either an attachment of social media or work, because it is right. I, I mean, I've got like 20,000 emails I got to get to. And I know I have a ton of work around the house to get to. So there's always things to do. And if you're like me, you are probably under the impression that if you take 20 minutes on the couch and lay down, that's 20 minutes of wasted time. So provolone, look at you being a little bit zen here. It's our moment of zen. Aww. Yeah, and just, just like that, I thought maybe you'd be able to talk today, but I look, we're out of time, so maybe tomorrow, buddy. Of course, the joke on that is tomorrow never comes. All right, let's take a look at today's sponsor. We want to mention our sponsor here today, Hatch Coaching. Hatch Coaching was created by Eric Hatch. From being a youth pastor to owning multiple companies to being one of the top 40 real estate teams in the country, Eric Hatch has a lot of experience in leadership. Now he's bringing that leadership to you. For more information, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com. Or visit the Crude Life show page for links there. Welcome back to the Crude Live Podcast. My name is Jason Spies, the North Dakota Nomad, the shale play prophet, according to some emails we got. And this next interview is the reason why they call me the shale play prophet. Thank you very much, Provolone, for doing the production work on this. This is from last summer when Colorado State Senator John Cook, Dan Haley from the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, John Robitalli with Petroleum Association of Wyoming, Myself and Harriet Hagman from Hagman Law were part of a panel discussion, what happened in Colorado's energy industry. And what I spoke about was the disconnection of the youth and how the perception of the industry has changed to where it's almost like, I I said the book, Harry the Dirty Dog, how when I was a kid, I was basically raised on the book, Harry the Dirty Dog. And, you know, fossil fuels, coal, oil, and gas were dirty. So dirty, you know, Harry got in trouble. So we were, we, we've been kind of socially engineered, if you will, to, us, to, to think a certain way. And it's only gotten more anti-fossil fuels as the years have gone on. So that's what I brought to the table. And this was over a year ago. And it's interesting coming out of NAEP that that was the big discussion. That was one of the main headlines coming out of the Houston Chronicle was that, was being disconnected from the youth. So uh, this is our featured interview today. Provolone, if you will, go ahead and start the interview. 
Well, and Jason, that comes to you, um, because one of the things that I, I don't think that we're as good at in terms of resource producers, I come from a ranch near Fort Laramie, Wyoming, and the livestock industry is another industry that has been under political pressure for quite some time, all over the, the western United States, for a variety of reasons. And I think part of it is, is because we were raised to go to work and get the job done. I always tell the story, I, I grew up farming out of the North Platte River, and it, whenever you're around water, there's obviously a lot of mosquitoes. And my father would not allow us to swat mosquitoes. We would get yelled at if we ever swatted mosquitoes when we were irrigating, because he said, if you're swatting mosquitoes, you're not getting the job done. <laughs> and I think that that's really kind of the way that we were raised. You go out, you get the job done, you find the oil and gas, you find a way to get it to market. So again, the prosperity for all of us has improved. We need to do a better job at PR. We Absolutely. need to do a better job of explaining exactly what these gentlemen are talking about, which is there are real live impacts for the decision that was made. And to have a governor, I, I guess I'm stunned at what your governor said, that it's no big deal. That kind of took my breath away for a moment, so I'm going to have to recover here. But um, what can we do to get this information out so that people, when they understand that there are five teachers that have been cut in a local school district, is directly related to this bill? Not an abstract, not that the, the, the inflation, or not that prices are going down, or not that blah, 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 blah. How do we point out to the public that bad policy is bad economically? It's a good question because we've been trying to come up with that for a while now. A um, couple things. Uh, Dan is right. 4.30 is a good time to not get something in the media. That is without a doubt. You put it on a Friday at 4.30, it's never going to see the light of day. Yeah. Same thing in politics. Christmas Eve, you drop something, nobody's ever going to you know, talk about it until the next year type of a thing. Also, um, the oil and gas industry needs to really understand that emotions have been trumping facts and reason since the dawn of man. I mean, really, it has been. And as hard as that is to understand, last night I spoke at the kickoff party, and there, there, there was a tough pill for all of us to swallow, including me and the media, who's just as responsible for this as everybody else, by engaging with the sound bites and the narratives and all everything else like that. So that's why our uh, media went a whole different direction. It was We were trying to take our small step towards it, okay? But... Last night, when we really take a step back, th this is going outside of Colorado, okay? It bled into Wyoming. The BLM lands apparently have, have some memorandum or ban on them. Oregon just passed the same thing that happened in Colorado through their Senate, okay? You have two presidential candidates that are legitimate. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren get all the airtime to be considered legitimate. They actually say they want to ban fracking. That's in their platform. That is one of the most outrageous comments I've ever heard in my life. And as a media person, that person should not be allowed back on the air because they are a fringe candidate. They are, without oil and gas, it would be the walking dead without zombies in three days. It would be absolute chaos. And for the media not to challenge that, oh, so if you're cool, you can be in the media now. If you're not, you, you know, you're not. So as long as you're hip and neat and cool and part of the trends, We'll broadcast whatever you say. doesn't matter if it's sports or politics or whatever it is. That's, that's a trend in the media that's been going on. And the environmentalists have taken advantage of that very well. Well, and very they have, well. and it's something that, from, from our standpoint, we've known for 30 years that that's the reality. Because one of the things that I heard my father say long after he didn't allow us to swap mosquitoes is he said, I always looked at it as a, at environmental groups as mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And he, should have, he said, I should have been swatting them at a lot, a lot earlier. And, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and so kind of another thing we did last night, too, to take that pill a little bit harder is when we take a look at the past decade, the oil and gas industries arguably made more money and spent more money than any time in its 10-year snapshot in its history. $100 oil, all this stuff happened. And over the past 10 years, what happened? We're now banned in Colorado, Oregon, Wyoming, two presidential candidates, and there's a thing called the Green Deal, which is supposed to apparently get rid of the industry in 10 years. Well, and so that's what I keep coming back to, is that we have had these discussions for quite some time, but we're obviously not solving that problem. So what we're doing is we're saying we need to say, shake it up and do things differently. Start doing a lot of things differently. Last night we gave an example of there's a 
crew out in um, Pennsylvania, I think, sponsoring the Junior Frackers as a baseball team. Will it work? No idea. But at least it's engaging with a community that's not the same people. Like last night I said, I've been going to these conferences now, and 90% of us are the same people going to the same conferences, rah rah with the same thing. we got to get out and engage with the people that are the ones now apparently setting the laws because what Mr. Cook said was... I wrote this down a few times. It's become a political issue. It's, it's a blue and a, and a red issue. When I grew up, energy was not a political issue. I just turned on the light switch. I mean, I grew up in like $30, $40 oil, and Bill Clinton was the news because of the cigar and all that other stuff was going on. That, so nobody cared about energy because gas was 2 bucks and this and that. Well, it's gotten to the point now where almost like the media and the politicians and a few others end up doing the PR for the industry. And so that's what I mean. The industry needs to reimagine how they're looking at energy. Well, and I've got some ideas, but I think that yeah, Dan has some comments yeah. on this as well. I'll just jump in quickly. Uh, <laughs> Good one, luck. And one to say that we haven't been banned in Colorado yet, just to set the record <laughs> right, straight. Right. So we're still working hard to avoid that. Um, a lot of this is on us. We did not do a good job as an industry explaining what we were doing and why we were doing and why it, why it was important. And we allowed a vacuum to exist. And people came in and scared people. And it's a lot cheaper to scare people than it is to educate them. And whenever we would try to, to talk with them, we handed them studies and fact sheets and things from, about science. And the other side was handing them emotional things and Polar things bears. that could scare them. There was, uh, two years ago, there was a, an attempt to ban fracking in Colorado. It was going to go to the ballot, but it was stopped by Coloradans who didn't sign the petition. But one of the things they did when they advertised, it had a, a line that said, come sign, the ban, come sign the petition to ban fracking. And rather than showing an explosion or pollution or something like that, it had a picture of a woman standing on a windswept plane holding her child to her chest and said, come sign the petition to ban fracking. That woman was protecting her child from all of you. And that's what happens, and that's what we've allowed to happen. We have got to go in, and we have got to play at that same exact emotional level that they do. We have got to stand up for ourselves and for our jobs and for our families and make sure that people are seeing our faces. And we also have to learn how to talk about climate change. I know not everybody wants to do that, but that is going to be the driving issue going forward. You talk about the Green New Deal. That is going to be the lens for which everything happens in the 2020 campaign. Mark my words. And we have to know that we are part of the solution. If you're concerned about greenhouse gases, you have to know, and I know I say this in coal country up here, uh, but burning, clean burning natural gas will reduce your emissions. We can be part of the climate solution. We have to be able to talk about that and feel good talking about that. And in terms of like getting out there, I agree with you, we need to do things different and think outside the box. We're trying to do a few different things in Colorado. Are they working? I don't know, but we're trying. Uh, we sponsor an elite cycling team, for example. And they go around and they compete in different criteriums, I think they're called, races, and they wear Colorado Oil and Gas Association jerseys. And, and, it, and so we're going out into places where people don't expect us to be. They train through Boulder County. And when people say, why do you have an oil and gas association supporting your industry? They have received education to where they're able to say, I can't ride this bike without oil and gas. The bike is not going to be created without natural gas, without petroleum. This jersey wouldn't be created without petroleum. And so they're able to talk about how our every, everything we touch, feel, stand on, lean, our phones that we can't live without are made possible by natural gas and petroleum. So we've got to be out telling those stories in ways that people are not expecting us to. That really comes to maybe the next topic we ought to be talking about, which is the education side of it, because we're finding ourselves in this position because, as you say, we allowed a vacuum to be developed and nature abhors a vacuum. And we allowed that vacuum to be developed and be um, filled by people who don't necessarily have our best interests in mind or our industry's best interests in mind. We have got to do a better job of messaging across the board, whether it is for coal, uh, or it is oil and gas, or it is some of our other industries, Trona, whatever it may be. We are not good at that. How do we get better? May I jump in on this one for Please. a second? Um, one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I'm from North Dakota where the Bakken is, and North Dakota is very interesting because it, it's, it is a red state, but it's an egg state, and so for every buck we give, we get a buck eighty back from the federal government. So we're red, but eh, kind of so they're called social reds, you know, type of a thing. But they're it's it's different because on the east side of the state is Fargo, 
where North Dakota State is. 75 miles north is Grand Forks, where the University of North Dakota is. 75 miles south is another university, and it's where Wahpeton is. If you go, and that's where the Red River is, which is borders Minnesota. If you take, I don't know, your car and drive 30 miles west from Fargo and draw a straight line from Canada down to South Dakota, that's 65% of the population. You're five hours from the nearest oil rig. Fargo has no idea what's going on in western North Dakota, and there's been a east-west Hatfield-McCoy thing for a long time. The east side of the state is continuing to grow. Sure, you hear about the growth out in western North Dakota, but they don't have the, three major, the two major universities right. that bring in three to four to five times the population that the oil field at 40 bucks, 50 bucks can bring in, okay? With these young, idealistic millennials and whatever the term after the millennials are, you're bringing in a whole new wave of new Green Deal thinkers. That's what's happening in North Dakota that no one is talking about. We're trying to have that discussion, but it's a head in the sand deal because, get this, 50% of our state revenue comes from the oil extraction and the production tax. 50% of a state's revenue comes from two oil and gas taxes. That does not include the vehicle registrations. The si when Halliburton goes to the gas station every morning and buys four monster energy drinks and six sandwiches, that doesn't include that tax either, okay? 50% of our state revenue comes from two taxes. That are the oil and gas, and 65% of the state has no idea what's going on in the oil and gas industry. So that's what that's what made me think of it. Was like that that is happening more and more and more because look at down in Texas. You go to Midland. I mean, there's not a lot of people live there compared to Dallas and Austin. so yeah, Austin. Austin thank you. Austin. Yes, yeah. and and so well, you get the point. The emotional part, and anyway. So. So there was a famous writer that said you can ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. I like that. So, how do we make people understand reality? How do we get to the universities? How do we get to the students? How do we get to the millennials? How do we get to the folks who think we can do without fracking and maintain the standard of living that they've had since they were young? Another person famously said that our prosperity is killing us. And I think there's some truth to that as well. So we're taking baby steps with what we're doing because you know we're in the media, we're non-political, but we are an oil and gas show. And we've had experts and we, and we have intelligent discourse down in Texas before the Me Too thing happened, they called me the Charlie Rose of the Bakken. So we would do the very long format. After the Me Too, we didn't bring that anymore. So um, th th there is that part of it which is important. But the other part is, is how do you engage with those different people? So what we've done in our program is we now have local musicians, singer-songwriters that work as our bumper music, and we'll just play songs and we'll put together montages with the oil people having good news, this and that. So over the course of a couple of years, we actually have musicians now promoting oil and gas discourse as opposed to protesting it. I like it. It's, it's not going to solve the problem overnight, but it's a little step. The Crude Life is now sponsoring the greatest environmentalist on the planet. Okay, His name is Johnny Green, and he's won the, this tournament, and we went out and we commissioned a belt. It's, you know, it's like five grand, okay? A and belt? Championship UFC WWF Brock Lesnar belt. And he's going without a cell phone for a month because a cell phone is the number one polluter on the planet. Whether it's the rare earth minerals or the data centers or the construction behind it, this, folks, is your number one polluter on the planet. So the guy with the championship belt is going to be going to ball games and barbecues, telling little kids in front of their mothers, make sure you go one hour tonight without that cell phone. Helping parent the things parents can't do. Get their kids off the screens. So we're going to do a little end around. Will it work? No idea, but we're going to try it. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit fun. Again, is it going to solve it overnight? Probably not, but at least it's going to be a step in the right direction. So we're just starting to do some little things like that. It's outside the box thinking um, 
So yeah, that's that's. Uh, you know, we all know the the voice of the the gentleman who did the uh, beef. It's what for it's what's for dinner. Yeah. That was a Which one? Program. Robert Mitchum, Sam Elliott. Yes, Robert Mitchum was the one that started that mm -hmm. probably in the early 1990s, late 80s, early 1990s. And that was a voice, and probably every single person in this room heard that advertisement at some point and remembers it now. Beef, it's what's for dinner. That was with the beef checkoff program. Are we doing things like that no. with our oil and gas industry? Are we doing that kind of PR promotion work to make sure that we have that positive, uh, that increased beef consumption? That's funny you say it because that's exactly what we said last night was the reason we decided to to endorse and, and sponsor and financially sponsor this Johnny Green is because it's fun. And the oil and gas industry hasn't been fun for a long time. I was, it, it's true. Yeah. Last night I was talking with somebody at the kickoff party and they were talking about how 10 years ago the industry tried to make it sexy and a bunch of different things. And I was looking at them and I'm going, I'm kind of bored right now. And I understand what you're talking about. I've heard the same message that, you know, the light switch, this and that. And it dawned on me that the oil and gas industry has gotten so embedded in our lives, much like the coal, too, in a lot of areas, especially North Dakota, which I think powers 80% of the state, um, that it's like doing dishes. We now take it for granted as a daily chore that we necessarily don't like. How did we get it to that point? We should be excited. I, I ordered a vertical garden for my house. It's made entirely out of plastic. 90% water consumption from my garden outside. All these different things are going to happen. The, the lights that I'm saving, etc. And it's entirely made out of plastic. So to get the younger generation to understand the above all policy, I think is one of the best ways to go because the energy industry embraced it a long time ago. So Dan, what do we do? Well, it's, it's frustrating because this should be a, t a time of, of celebration. Instead, we're arguing over plastic straws. I don't think you can ever get to those people who want to keep the product in the ground. And I think we should quit wasting our time trying to, to convert them by giving them studies and information. Absolutely. One of the biggest issues we have in this country is we've all kind of re retreated to our camps and we seek out information that validates our concerns. If you get more information, you sink further into your entrenchment. So we need to find that sort of rational middle that can be moved and that, that wants that education. And there are people like that. I traveled around with the, the previous governor to the, a task force roadshow. And every once in a while, there'd be a woman that would come up and say, you know, I want to support oil and gas. I've lived on this country road for 50 years, and now there's truck traffic constantly. Those are the people we need to find and have conversations with mm -hmm. and try to make this work for them. In Colorado, we are doing a lot of television advertising at night, and it's, it's kind of simple messaging. Fracking's been going on for 60 years. It doesn't pollute groundwater, things like that. And we see the polling shows those numbers will go up when you're, when you're just kind of a routine part of the, uh, we can't, it's like, it's not as good as beef as what's for dinner yet, but we have to be a part of that just general churn every night in people's lives. Well, and we also have a program called Ag in the Classroom. And the Ag in the Classroom program was started many, many years ago, and I think that they focus, uh, I, I'm not even quite sure which, which grades that they focus on, but they do all kinds of things in terms of meeting with teachers and doing curriculum and all different kinds of things so that kids can learn where corn comes from and what the different, different cuts of meat right. and all of those things. To what extent are our industries doing an Ag in the Classroom and working with our educators starting at a very young age all the way up through college so we are getting that information out and these kids know it from when they're very young. I know, I think Dan, you might know this. Liberty does a uh, tour for kids, I believe. I was told by um, Senator Ray Scott. Mm -hmm. Does that sound familiar yes, from Grand Junction? Yeah. And that, that's a good start. Um, I go back to if we want to reach the kids and we want to reach the parents and we want to do some, some of that, I think they're getting tired of being preached to. And we go, I go back to, let's, let's have some fun. I think so, too, and you I know? think that's what Ag in the Classroom does. Okay, and, you know, like, I was thinking even one time I brought my son. I've got a 13-year-old son, and he was a Montessori student, so he was engaged. Like, you know, we, we actually went to a dairy farm. That's how he learned about farming. He went to a dairy farm. He went to a uh, ag farm, I'm sorry, a cattle farm. He uh, put his hand into a cow's stomach. At the university, I set up a deal where he could do that, and the local universities are there. The educate we just made the education fun. That's all. We just made it engaging and first 
first-handed, and that's why I brought up the liberty part, because that's a good start. That is bringing it out of the classroom and out into them, and that's where I, that's where I think they could do a better job. Of. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Well, I was years old when John Lennon died. And that's going to do it for today's The Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us. Provolone, thank you today for doing a fantastic job of getting some of that production work handled. And I'm telling you, tomorrow, because tomorrow, hey, tomorrow's just right around the corner. You'll be able to speak tomorrow. I'm telling you, we'll, we'll, we'll get you on the air tomorrow, when tomorrow comes. Also, like to thank Terry Eden, who's going to join us in just a moment or two on our Bach and Barbecue phone lines. Also, like to thank Hatch Coaching for being our sponsor today here on the podcast and our featured event, the Louisiana Oil and Gas Association Show, happening March third through the sixth. That link, of course, is available at thecrudelife.com and our music crossover, uh, the Crude Life Music Crossover, the Moody River Band, the music that you've heard today is from the Moody River Band. If you want to download some of their music or purchase it, well, actually, their music's free, um, but you can go to the uh, crudelife.com on our, on our show page. All the links are there, including the Moody River Band, if you'd like to support their music, because they do support us here at the Crude Life. One of our ways that we continue to try to reach out with new people and the youth is through music, especially through the podcast and through the music. So, Having original singer-songwriters and people trying to get their name out there and their music out there. If you know someone that would like their music played here as part of it, we'd basically feature them for the month. So we feature the music for the month, and all they have to do is uh, send us an email. We'll, we'll go from there. Uh, musicians that we have crossover connections with are available at thecrudelife.com if you'd like to check out the different ones. Blind Joe's coming up next month. He was on The Voice, one of Blake Shelton's boys. So he's coming up next month. And, um, yeah, so that's that's our featured music. And uh, also, we have social media, like, share, follow, comment, I guess. So if you'd like to do that, we'd appreciate that very much. But that's going to do it today, folks. Tomorrow, are we going to have Ray Scott or not? Okay, so we did get Ray Scott during the time. So, okay, great. Ray Scott tomorrow here on the podcast should be interesting coming off of this colorado stuff so all right from the staff here at the crude life podcast my name is jason Spees, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry it's a way of life The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Kirsten Jesperson of Mile High Employment Solutions. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Kirsten Jesperson right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. So my top three needs currently, I have a huge need for CDL water haulers. Um, that is going to be, I would say... 70% of the positions that I'm hiring for here in North Dakota are tanker drivers to haul fresh in production. Um, I have a huge need for diesel mechanics, bumper to bumper, um, ranging from fleet mechanics to, you know, service mechanics that are dealing with the oil field equipment. 
um, and then additionally HSE and DOT. Those are going to be my three main focuses, I would say, right now um, that we have a huge need for. Anyone interested in these positions can give us a call at 701-207-0556 or visit our website at www.mhemployment.com. I mean, I've seen, obviously, with the certifications through, you know, PEC, H2S, Safely, and some of those training courses that you know, people can go out and get on their own or, you know, you get in with a company that will put you through those training courses on your own or on their own as well. Um, Those are becoming very important in this industry. Um, You know, again, the CDL is going to be a top priority for a lot of these positions just due to the equipment that they're moving out to some of these locations. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, you know, full-blown CDL driving position, but they're still requiring that just due to the equipment that they're moving around. Um, you know, and I think, again, there, at one point in this industry, there were companies out there that were bringing people in that didn't have CDLs and they were putting them, you know, through schools in order to obtain those. And again, that's just one of those places where the industry has shifted. We don't find that very often anymore. Um, so again, you know, there's been programs through, you know, especially with veterans through the VA, um, to help people go and obtain their, their CDL through schools, um, you know, a lot of different incentives for people to go out and get those, um, those licenses to be able to open up these opportunities to them. Um, but again, on, on the safety side, I think it's always beneficial to look at uh, PEC, H2S, Safeland. Those are always going to be required by these oil field companies. And that was Kirsten Jesperson of Mile High Employment Solutions. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please check out our daily podcast Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday at thecrudelife.com. That's our daily podcast at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies. Asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.